Welcome to episode number 61 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We're creating a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about housekeeping options for combustible dust cleanup. And do that, we have back on the show, Scott Borsma, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Sales Officer at Delphin Industrial Corporation. Scott, thanks for coming back on the podcast today. Thanks for having me back, Chris. I appreciate it. So we had Scott on back in episode 35 of the podcast, talking about design and certification of explosion-proof vacuum systems. What is an explosion-proof vacuum? We covered what a certification process look like and what do end users need to know about these types of systems. Scott has 20 years experience in baking and food industries, over 10 of that, actually more than that now in industrial vacuums. Uh, and he brought Delphin Vacuum Systems to North America in 2017 with Delphin Industrial Corporation. So the reason I want to have Scott on to talk about housekeeping is that we just got done doing a big survey of people that are participating at the Digital Dust Safety Conference. Uh, we got, well, we sent the survey out to about 500 people that were thinking about participating. We had 121 responses. We kind of broke those down. A lot of those responses were around techniques for preventing dust accumulation, what are safe cleaning methods, how to choose between different systems. Um, so we have Scott actually presenting on that topic, um, as well as a, a couple other um, industrial backing companies at the conference. And I just wanted to go through as a kind of a preview of that for this episode, looking at these uh, housekeeping options. So Scott, I think a great place to jump in is what are the, to kind of your understanding and from your talking with, with your clients, what are the OSHA and NFPA requirements for compliance with housekeeping and facilities handling combustible dust? Yeah, I mean, so I think it's important to note that a lot of things changed, you know, over the last few years here. And when we, when we look at the compliance um, standards that were for combustible dust prior, the new, the new, I think everybody kind of knows the buzzword NFPA 652 is a new standard on fundamentals, standard on the fundamentals of combustible dust and its final revisions are being completed now. So that's kind of the um, the go-to. And in there, it talks a lot about the conflicts right in the beginning in one, section 1.4 about uh, uh, NFPA 61 for uh, prevention of fire dust explosions in agriculture and food processing plants, uh, 484 for combustible dust metal, uh, combustible dust, which uh, 654, which was the combustible dust solids that the 652 is adding to, 655 was for sulfur and 664 for woodworking. So there were some outlines already on handling of combustible dust in each of these. Where the conflicts come and housekeeping comes in, and I, I believe 652 is bridging a gap. It's really saying that everybody, um, I wrote a couple of statements on here. If you're in a rated environment, but handling, uh, if you're not in a rated environment, but handling combustible dust, these standards still apply to you. And I don't know if everybody understands that. If you're not sure about whether you're handling a combustible dust, these standards still apply to you. And I think that's kind of the key is that everybody uh, who's in the manufacturing plant today, when you look at doing your understanding, first of all, do I have a combustible dust? That's the first step. Secondly, uh, what is my hazard analysis? And then thirdly, what's my housekeeping practice to, to uh, what's my plan in order to remove this dust, right? So when you get into the housekeeping part, it's kind of a long segue until when you get to the housekeeping part of this, uh, you know, then it starts to outline how to remove the dust and it goes right into procedures of, of housekeeping. And the, the third bullet point in is, is about vacuum, vacuum cleaning. And they're using vacuum cleaning as a primary source for housekeeping now. It does still state later on that sweeping, shoveling, scoops, brushes are acceptable practices. Water washdowns are acceptable practices. 
you know, there's there's full sections on on dust collection, uh, pneumatic conveyance as well. When it talks about blowdowns, air compressed air blowdowns, there's some some very uh, stringent requirements in there. And in when I you know when I speak, I think uh, we'll cover some of uh, some of those guidelines. But the vacuum practice is is really the primary practice we believe as to how to mitigate the the, the dust, collect and contain safely, and then do this with the with the right proper uh, components in the vacuum system. So making sure that it's designed properly. And for me, this NFPA 652 and for, for Delphin, it's really given us an opportunity to understand how, uh, how to redesign and design future vacuum systems that will be in compliance and, and, and create a safe environment when it's being used. So for housekeeping, that's, that's where we go. Great summary. And we covered back in episode 49, just a review of NFPA 652 and the different components related to, to DHAs. So that'd be a good reference for some of the listeners, but Scott also mentioned some with related to housekeeping. I just wanted to reiterate a point that you you said, and you almost you almost passed over passed over it casually, but you said it uh, confidently enough that I think you probably say it quite a bit, and it's an excellent point to highlight. So, if you don't know if you're handling combustible dust, or you don't know if NFPA 652 applies to you, it applies to you because it actually the way it's worded is if you don't know you have a combustible dust, then step one is to get tested. Then you can say no, it doesn't apply to me because I don't have a combustible dust. But if you don't know the answer then it applies to you. That's a really good way to say it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it applies. I think a lot of people think that this is, it, it only applies to those in hazardous locations, you know, class one or two class, uh, div one or two groups, you know, a, a through G. And, uh, the reality is when we talk about combustible dust, that's class two, you know, the solid particulates, when we're talking about division one or division two, always present or, or abnormally present dust, and then, um, you know, typically with, with dust, we're talking about groups E, F, and G, which is metal dust, group B, and then F and G is food and uh, ag and non-ag type products, that kind of thing. So just depending upon what you're in. But if you don't have a hazardous rating on, on an environment, that does not mean that you are not um, supposed to follow these guidelines. These guidelines are specifically for, for those hazardous locations, but also for uh, people handling a combustible dust or handling any type of dust. And, and it's stating that you have to know what you're handling now and then, and then document that and keep it on file uh, so that you, your housekeeping practices that you have associated with that are directly for what you know you have, not what you guess you have, if you will. And so if you're not sure, then this, this definitely applies to you. Yeah, great points there. So wh- what are the different options then in terms of housekeeping and cleaning of combustible dust. You mentioned a couple of them as being mentioned in the standard, maybe just giving a summary of those for the, the listener. Yeah, and there's different ways to clean, right? So we talk about vacuum systems as a whole, and during my presentation portion of the of DDSC, we'll be going through the differences between portable and central vacuum systems, large systems versus small systems, and then the, the, the pros and cons of, of each type of system. How to, you know, what are the design criteria for them? What things should you consider? You know, and most of what I get back from my customers is, yes, we understand we have some kind of dust we need to mitigate. We, we're on board with this. However, I'm not sure where to start and what kind of questions to ask, right? So having a trusted advisor with you to walk through some of those questions and point you through the standards and point you through the product, product lines that are out there is, is a really big daunting task. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's kind of like going and buying a car. You never bought a car before. Where do you start? 
uh, if you know nothing about cars, it's the same thing, right? So we're just uh, facilitating a path through that. Uh, what we look at from the different types of cleaning you know, methods in the facility, I mentioned a few of them. What we typically see is people are, are wet washing or dry washing, and we're talking about dry here, right, in, in most cases for dust, and vacuum systems being the primary. We're, we're removing a lot of uh, the, the blowing of, of dust, and the reason for that is because the very first bullet point in, in this uh, housekeeping procedures uh, uh, statement here, first of all, housekeeping should be documented. The second bullet point states that reducing the potential for creating a combustible dust cloud. And if we look at that, um, that's, that's bullet 84212 in the standards. That's the primary focus for housekeeping is to make sure that we don't create a cloud. Well, we know that some methods like sweeping and, but really blow guns using compressed air to blow a dust from one place to another is a very inefficient way to clean. We're moving dust from one place to another and, and dust can settle in, 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 in bad areas. It can also reach arcing sources, which is what our, our primary concern is. So for these reasons, we want to collect and contain the vacuum system being the primary sweeping, shoveling, scooping, but there's some conditions around that, why, when, and how we would do those, those methods. And then uh, wet water wash, and of course, there's a whole set of parameters around that. And then, if, and then lastly, where, um, where I'm just giving you one bullet point, uh, you know, under, under compressed air is uh, where we've already reduced the threshold of combustible dust limits. So in other words, we've already reduced the most amount of dust that we can within the facility with a vacuum, then and only then is where we're supposed to try to use compressed air. And there's a lot more limitations that we'll go through uh, during my presentation as well. Yeah, I was just pulling up as you talked, because you mentioned blowdowns, which if you're in industries handling combustible dust and you're looking at any incident history, you you, you should have seen that, that that's a leading cause of, of initiating an explosion, causing an atmosphere when you're cleaning up. And that leading to a primary explosion that then can lead to a secondary and worse explosion or directly injure the worker. But I do want to highlight, like you said, that there are other cleanup methods that are can be equally as dangerous. So shoot, um, scooping, shoveling, sweeping. I just pulled up uh, an incident here in Detroit, Maine, October 11, 2017. I, I remember because it was one of the first ones we put in the incident database. I think it was the third one we entered. Three workers injured uh, at the top of a silo. We'll put a link to this in the show notes so the anyone interesting, interesting can go read. But 86-foot tall silo. Empty silo, but they had the the bucket elevators, conveying systems were dumping sulfur onto the catwalks. So there were um, workers up there scooping, sweeping into shovels, picking up this dust, and actually ignited it and had a, a flash fire on the the gangway. So luckily nobody fell off, but they they were pretty injured from the from the flash fire themselves. So it just it, it sparked my it sparked is probably not the right word to use, but sparked my memory because uh, that was one of the first ones we put into the instant database, and it was scooping. It wasn't actually um, blowdown. Both both can be dangerous. Yeah, it, it leads me to uh, go to that that bull point of, you know. So yes, it's acceptable, right? So you um, in the guideline NFPA six fifty two, it says specifically the use of scoops, brooms, brushes, and sweeping, shoveling, it shall be permitted. But what it but I think people sometimes this is a misconception. Say, hey, it's permitted. We can just go scoop, and that's not what it's saying. And, and I just want to be clear, that's not what it's saying. What it is saying is this is, it's saying is a primary method, use the vacuum systems to collect and contain safely and get the levels down as much as you can. Only in certain circumstances can we use other methods that are that are higher risk. So we're, we're assessing risk here. The lowest risk is to use a vacuum system to collect and contain it. 
then the next level is, you know, maybe um, where you can't reach to something or if you can't get inside of a, of a piece of equipment. And, and again, we'll go through the parameters during the presentation, but how and when to blow, a blow gun is acceptable for use uh, within a, a range and shutting down electric sources and following a bunch of codes. So there's a bunch of parameters around each of these that say, you know, where to limit the risk, right? And and that's all part of the dust hazard analysis, I think, as well. You know, you're really understanding where your ignition sources are, really understanding where um, what your combustibility of the dust is and, and how you can handle it. Um, so if you're not doing the DHA and documenting that in the first place, then you probably shouldn't get to the housekeeping procedures yet because um, you don't know how to handle it. Right. Yeah. And you, you mentioned, um, and I know it ties into what, to what you do in education, what you do in, in vacuums as well. So you mentioned that your first, like the safest way would be to use a, a, a vacuum system. Um, to even even add one to that, a, a correctly designed vacuum system that's not yes. not a, not a shop vac. And I know you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And so that's the point of the presentation, right? Is to go through. Um, I'm skipping from uh, from the beginning of the housekeeping to to the, the the back end of the the procedures here. But in the middle section is is how the vacuum is designed and created to be safe. And that's what this whole presentation will be about. You know, the material construction of the vacuum system. What, co what components are you looking for? What kind of certifications are you looking for? What, what's acceptable? What's not acceptable? Uh, how are they certified? You know, and, and we've talked a lot about that in the past. We'll talk more about that, uh, both from a, a central vacuum system perspective and from a, a portable vacuum system perspective. Uh, and what does the customer need to know in order to make a, a proper buying decision? Uh, who's at risk? You know, who's the one that really makes the decision? Who's the authority having jurisdiction? And we use that term, hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody's using that term a lot, uh, is trying to define who the authority having jurisdiction is, not just an OSHA rep, but uh, but maybe a plant uh, safety manager, or maybe it's a local fire marshal or someone who's a building inspector and insurance agent, you know, it might be. So we just need to understand who's really looking at this and, and what kind of criteria we need to follow. And again, doing the right analysis up front in order to to, to make sure we're buying the right type of equipment and putting the right procedures in place. Yeah, definitely. And I know in your presentation, we'll be talking about the difference between portable systems uh, and central vacuum systems. So fixed, non-movable, I guess. And and the reason I asked this is because when you explained to me those two, this may have been maybe six months ago, I had a lot of questions myself. So I, I think the listener probably has questions as well. But what is the the difference between a portable system and a, and a so-called central vacuum system, if that's even the right terminology to use? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a great question. I mean, there's uh, pros and cons. I have a, a page full of them here that I, I'll, I'll be going through in the presentation as well. But, um, you know, just some high level um, pieces, you know, we look at, is a, is a system fixed in place? Is it portable? And then I'll, I'll, I'll throw a, a, a wrench in the, in the mix here and say, is it a portable central system? You know, is it a portable system where you can use short section of piping? And I think that's probably something that's newer technology, uh, newer design that's in the market today. Using a certified uh, portable vacuum system as a central system or, or to get into hard to reach areas. And what kind of criteria is around that to make sure that we're in compliance with the new standards as well? Uh, so we're adding some fixed piping that falls under one regulation and we're, we're putting a portable system that's a central uh, sorry, a certified out-of-the-box uh, type system, and we're attaching the two together. And what does that mean for our compliance and our certification process, right? So we definitely need to look at at all the uh, different components and what that means. 
it's harder to find the difference between a central system uh, or a fixed system and a portable system today because of that. You know, what, what pieces are fixed and which pieces are, are moving around from place to place and how do we do the certification? Overall, uh, you know, central systems, I think uh, we're, we do both. Uh, and I think, you know, we're doing less of the, of the big systems today and we're doing more of the portable systems in, in plants today. Uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of reasons behind that, everything from cost structures to design criteria to, um, you know, flexibility, you know, to, um, you know, manageability, maintenance. Uh, so those are all reasons that I think customers have shifted a lot more into the industrial portable seg- uh, sector uh, out, out, of, out of a lot of the bigger, uh, more fixed um, design systems in there. But there's still um, a lot of reasons to do both. So depending upon the application, it really matters on which which direction you're going to go. So we'll we'll dive deeper into into that um, features, benefits, pros, cons uh, in my presentation as well. Yeah, great. So maybe to to kind of hint at it, what's the what's the biggest thing that you see that the most companies just don't think about when they're when they're trying to decide on these systems? Yeah. So I think the, one of the biggest things that customers look at right out the gate is what's the cost, right? So. You know, so from a fixed system, fixed systems are always going to be more expensive by a, by a two times, three times factor in general uh, in cost. One of the things that they're not thinking about, however, is the certification of a fixed system. And what we see a lot of in the market today, and because for six, you know, for uh, throughout history until recently, uh, fixed central vacuum systems haven't really had the requirements that they do today. And so a lot of the older systems are still running for 20, 30 years, are, are designed or were designed under old premise, and now are not maybe not in compliance with what the standards require today. So what we did yesterday doesn't necessarily mean that that's in, in compliance with today. So we'll talk about limited certification production runs, which is, you know, when you put a vacuum system in, that's a central system, and it doesn't come with a certification out of the box. So what do you have to do in order to get that certification? or at least to get to check the box to make sure that it is in compliance with a, with a, a nationally recognized testing laboratory. And there's ways to do that, which I would say most people are not considering today in, in general. So that, that'd be probably one of the biggest ones. The other one I would say is, uh, you know, the flexibility uh, portion of it. You know, cost is one of the biggest things they look at and then flexibility. You know, a lot of, I mean, just imagine every time you put in a central vacuum system and then you make one addition, you want to add one line or add two lines what does that do to the overall system performance? Are we, you know, in the past it was just, well, it doesn't work unless you close two of the ports. Now though, what we're looking at is, is that if it's not working, that means that product could be settling in the pipes and it can be causing a dust hazard for your facility, which can be an explosion hazard. And we've realized that over time. So if you modify a system once it's been in place and it's not working to its performance level, you've actually created risk, right? In, in your facility. And so, uh, so those are some of the things that I, I believe most of our customers haven't considered uh, when we sit down with customers and do consultations in the facilities and their plants. Uh, they haven't considered a lot of those things. And it's easy for us to just walk over and show them where that risk has been created. And, and then they, they start to realize that they have to dig in a little deeper with, with these things. So those are the things I, I think from a high level, those are some of the first couple bullet points we go into, but certainly there's a lot more to consider. And uh, like I said, we'll be diving into that quite a bit deeper during the presentation. Oh, that sounds great. And I would say, because we talked to, we hinted at certification law, which will be involved in the presentation, um, but your earlier podcast interview, 35, 
so dustsafetyscience.com slash 35, was all around design certification as well, although that was 30 weeks ago, so uh, over half a year ago now, and things are moving pretty quickly. Like the, I don't even think back then we were talking as much about these portable fix systems as much, um, or at least they weren't on my radar, they're probably on your radar, but things are things are changing pretty quickly in these industries yeah they really are and there's some um you know there's some there's some new things that we're learning as well too so i'll be honest there's a couple bullet points that have that have shown up in the new revisions that have changed the way we have to design our product our product lines something we were doing in our product line yesterday and actually have certified and um, we're back we're back again with our nrtls saying hey i know we have a, a letter for you saying this is okay but now we notice that there's been a couple changes and what does this look like? And the reality is, is that we have to make more changes, right? And so just to stay up with these standards is uh, sometimes daunting task, right? And it's uh, it's an investment on our part, but, but we certainly want to stay in front of everything as well, as I know other other people in this, uh, in this in this group do as well. Oh, that's great. Well, I think we'll, we'll cut off this interview there. Um, that's a really good overview of the different housekeeping options, combustible dust cleanup. We hinted on some reasons why blower systems, why scooping and and sweeping can be used, but are need to be used in a very specific way after the, the bulk of the dust already been cleaned up and then following the other guidance that's outlined in NFPA. Um, we talked about a bunch of other categories or a bunch of other things around NFPA, a bunch of the outlines that are there as well, and a lot that's coming up in the at the DDSC from yourself and from Delphin. So I want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast for the, the second time now. I probably won't be long until we get you on for your your third go. <laughs> Do I get a green jacket on the third one or? <laughs> yeah, it's the trifecta. I think we we mail. You'll get it in the mail. It just comes out. <laughs> no, that's great. So yeah, I'll say thank you again, Scott, and I'm looking forward to uh, having you at the the conference um, in February next year. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, presenting at the at the conference. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Scott Borsma. We've been talking about housekeeping options for combustible dust cleanup. Uh, we talked all around NFPA 652, the um, referred to standards within that document like NFPA 61 and the industry specific standards. We talked about what that means for housekeeping, what the different options are, when those different options can be applied, when they can't be applied. Um, then we, we dove pretty deep into portable and fixed vacuum systems or portable and central vacuum systems, I guess. But we even kind of identify that those are, are changing and you're seeing more hybrid models out there as well which has really important impacts for certification of the systems, for correct use of the systems, and for choosing which system to use. So as Scott mentioned, he's going to be going through all that detail at the Digital Dust Safety Conference coming up in February 2020. And like he said, there's a lot of bullet points to cover. And I saw his list here, uh, and he's got, he's got a lot of great information there. But the important point that I want to hit on is that if you're actually involved in the conference, you can connect and reach out to Scott directly to ask these questions. So you can do that in the presentation itself or inside the conference portal. Um, we'll also have his email at the show notes for this episode, dustsafetyscience.com slash 61. And as I mentioned, inside the Dust Safety Academy platform, you can actually talk to the speakers directly there or go to the community forums and communicate to the other attendees and ask the questions that you have about uh, vacuum systems and other systems in industries handling combustible dust. So as I, as I mentioned um, in the last couple episodes about the conference itself, we're really looking to not only bring just the theory, we do want to bring the theory and concepts, that's really important, but also the actual practical application of how to make decisions and at the end of the day, how to get the correct system into your facility to make it safer um, if you're handling combustible dust. So we're looking forward to doing that. So as always, I just want to say thank you for listening to Dust Safety Science Podcast. It'll be a really great week ahead. I hope you have a safe week ahead and I'm really thankful for everything that you're doing in industries handling combustible dust 
around the world. 